Welcome, friends and colleagues. I've been asked to explain a little bit more about all these techniques of analyzing, taking apart and reconstructing the biblical verses and narratives, which is something that many people have little awareness of and no familiarity. The evolution of these techniques really opens a new era in Bible study, at least in Jewish Bible study, in our time. Uh, so we've discussed before, every generation has its own uh, approach to this eternal book. In the ancient times, it was retelling the story. Then came translations. Then came commentaries. The commentaries in the Middle Ages were different from the commentaries in the modern era. And it should, be not, should not be surprising that new waves are being involved at this time, a time of greater precision, a time of scientific terminology, a time of pattern recognition, a time of the revival of Jewish learning in the land of Israel. A great deal of this work is happening there and uh, has happened in the past uh, 50 to 70 years. So in my previous talks, we've used some of these techniques, but they are unfamiliar to some people and maybe shocking to others. So I think that it is time for me to take apart a couple of these techniques, and there are many more and show how they apply to an analysis of a particular narrative. We're going to go out of Genesis right now. I mean the story of Genesis. We'll still be in the book of Genesis. And we talk about Jacob and his stones. The principal uh, thing that we'll discuss was the, the light word uh, uh, technique, which is uh, called Milamancha in Hebrew, and it involves finding a word that is repeated 7 or 14 times. We'll also focus a little bit more on the kind of structural criticism uh, where this seven-fold repetition will enable us to understand what the beginning of a narrative is and what the end is. And we'll also see that the particular word that defines the narrative has something to do with the meaning of it. So we have a powerful method. And uh, I would say that this particular method could be divided into four steps. In the first step, you have to find the word. You can do it with pen and paper, or you can do a search on something like Barilan or any uh, Bible software in Hebrew. Second step, you would use it to define the beginning and the end of a unit, which may or may not confirm to what you started off thinking. Third step, which you will sometimes find and sometimes not, would be some other place in the Bible where there's a confirmation that this word is connected to the topic. And four, which is optional, if there is a rabbinic statement that is otherwise hard to understand, 
that could be illuminated after you've done the first three steps. So let's start with that, and we'll talk about Jacob and his stones. When, when, when Yaakov went to Haran to find for himself a wife or wives, Rachel and Leah, suddenly you begin to see the appearance of stones. How's that? His dream of a ladder involves stones. In chapter 28.10, we have stones, and importantly, we have stones, many stones. In 28.18, he places a stone for an altar, Matseva, that's Yaakov Matseva. There's 29.3. Then there is the fourth source. So if you look at the whole narrative, the first three mentions that we, we just enumerated are on the way to Mesopotamia. The last three are on the way back. That will be 31.45, 31.46, and 35.14. And the middle one, the fourth one, is a stone that Yaakov rolled off the mouth of the well when he met uh, Rachel, Rachel. So that in itself is interesting. There's no other place where there, there are seven mentions of stones. There's in fact very few places where stones are mentioned at all. So we have found the uh, the theme word here. Three of the repetition of the word is on the way in. Three of them are on the way back. And one, the middle of the series, is about rolling the stone off when Jacob meets uh, Rachel, Rachel. I would also mention that the first one is multiple stones and at the last one is multiple stones, which will have some meaning in a few in a few minutes. So the second step would be what is the meaning of the stones? We now understand that the stones seem to be particularly meaningful to uh, Yaakov's trip to and back from Mesopotamia. And uh, in what way does stone represent the meaning of this narrative? I would suggest that one great difference, an obvious difference, visible difference uh, between the land of Israel and Mesopotamia is the presence and absence of stones. What do you build with? In the land of Israel, it's stones, stone building, mountains, rocks. Mesopotamia is a flat land, whereas we know from the story of the Tower of Babel, new technology had been evolved of baking mud into the bricks. 
In fact, the Bible seems to take special pains to tell us how exactly they made these bricks, suggesting that there's some connection between the rebellion and the technology. Perhaps the first time in history where technological prowess had led the society astray. In any case, stones are Israel, mud and bricks are Mesopotamia, except the meeting at the well. The meeting of the well, the stones come back. So this is the center of the narrative. Three mentions of stones before it, three mentions of stones on the way back, and in the middle, the story of the well. So the second step, we're trying to determine what this tells us about the narrative. The, it, it's an interesting thing that we have at least three uh, matches that have been made on the well. The well seems to be coming back repeatedly. The well in which Rebecca uh, was, was found by uh, the servant of Abraham. There is this well of Jacob and Rachel. And there is the well in which Moses found his wife. Moshe found Zipporah. Uh, and that well. It is instructive to compare all these stories, uh, such as, for example, here, the, the people at the well wait for uh, Rachel to come back, and by Moshe they drive them away, uh, but uh, that's beyond the point we're trying to develop. The symbolism of the stone being rolled out of, of the mouth of the well is in itself tremendously archetypal and tremendously meaningful. Um, if for those who understand the archetypes uh, presented by Freud and Jung, the well represents, of course, the female and the stone is the what keeps her from the male. And... Um, it is very significant that the stone is rolled away by uh, Jacob when he meets uh, Rachel. So that would be our second step. The third step would be to try corroborate. Is there any other place in Tanakh where Jacob and stones are connected? And in fact, there is in the blessing of Yaakov, when Jacob blesses his children, Genesis 49:24 there is an explicit identification of Yaakov and stone how is that the verse says Mishom from there Roer shepherd even Israel which can be translated as the stone of Israel or Israel is stone that's a very difficult verse, uh, and the commentators, of course, labor to explain it. Uh, Rashi, based on the Targum, the Aramaic translation of Onkelos, says, Evan stands for, it has something in it of the word Av, so Aleph, base, Av, father, base, Nun, son, Evan, Israel, is son, uh, father and son. So this is, he understands that it's the family connection that uh, that is being uh, emphasized here. 
uh, Evan being now uh, going to create a family, the fathers and the sons, the family and progression of generations and the like, which fits very well into the narrative of Jacob going to find uh, Rachel. <clears throat> and the fourth step, step uh, optional, is to find a statement of the sages that um, would uh, now should be illuminated and seen in a totally different way. Because now we understand the background, we understand what may have motivated them to make the statement. And this statement is when, when uh, Yaakov lay down uh, and experienced the dream and the vision of the ladder going to heaven, it says, He took from the stones of uh, the place, he put it behind, under his head, and then talks that he said, He took this stone. So somehow the stones became a stone. Now most commentators understand he took off the stones. He picked one stone, maybe smoothest stone, maybe biggest stone. <coughs> And he put that under his head. That would be certainly the simple meaning. But the sages said <coughs> that the stones argued with each other. Each one wanted that uh, Jacob's head be lying on it. And therefore they all fused and they became one stone. So when, when Yaakov lay down, there were many stones. When he got up, there was only one stone because they have all fused. Now it's interesting that of these seven mentions of the stones, this is the first one. And the last is also, uh, it, it talks about uh, them gathering stones. And then they set the stone up for an altar. Thirty-one, forty-six, and and uh, Yaakov said to his brothers, "Collect stones." And they took stones, and they made a gull. They made like a bank of them. Um, and then uh, he said it. Vayetziv Yaakov Matzevai. Yaakov said a stone altar. Matzevas Evans. Here's the word Evan. The seventh time it's mentioned. And here also the multiple stones appear, they gather stones on the bank, and now they appear to have become one. So that would be the first uh, source for the rabbinic statement, that by the way is brought by Rashi and, and is extensively questioned by subsequent commentators. So that could be the source, the first and the sixth and the seventh mentions of stones in the seven-word sequence is about stones being gathered together. However, we can go even further. <coughs> if we look at this carefully and we count the numbers, we will see that you can actually count them in such a way that there are only six times that it says Evan, a single stone, and the first time it says stones. 
In other words, there's, I'm not going to go into the mechanics of this, but uh, the words uh, stones are mentioned twice, and it's not exactly stones. Um, uh, it's 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 a, a grammatical form uh, that changes the word. And uh, if you look at it that way, what you have is a sequence of seven, but the very first one of them is in plural, and the others are not. So that can be another source for the rabbis to make the statement, the stones became a stone. So what we've done here now, we've showed a very solid basis for the rabbinic statement that on its own uh, is, is difficult to understand and in many ways is surprising and even bewildering. For the simple meaning of the sentence is that he took from the stones of the place and he lay down on one of them. Where do we come up from with uh, multiple stones uh, arguing and uh, all fusing together under his head? So we had stepped away from the actual creation story in order to explore two aspects of the new methods. One of them is this uh, important word that um, signifies the beginning and the end of a unit. And I would add here that time after time, this method yields to you very different uh, units of narrative that than the biblical critics would come up with. So that in itself is a very valuable and important thing, because it disproves their approach. But even without that, because it shows that there is another way to organize and arrange the narratives and other kinds of units. And you see it happening time after time after time. It's a very powerful technique and very widespread. Once you identify them, you have to try to understand what the meaning is. In this case, identification of uh, Yaakov and Evan Stone could mean many things. Actually, I think it's the Siporna that says that um, the meaning of uh, in 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 the blessing of Yaakov, the meaning of Evan Israel is that he is the main stone, the foundation stone of the Jewish people. After Jacob, nobody else dropped out. Esau dropped out first. Well, I'm sorry, Ishmael dropped out first, and Esau dropped out. But starting with Yaakov, there was a full nation that perpetuated itself. We suggested a different meaning uh, to this narrative. Uh, according to the uh, Onkelos translation, where Evan should be read a composite word saying Av Ben, a father and son. So therefore we have a narrative of Jacob leaving the land of Israel with its stony facade, with its stony basis, a rocky place, to go to a place where there are no stones, but even there he encounters one stone, which is at the center of the narrative. He then encounters the stones on the way back into Israel, and uh, that is a representation of what he was able to accomplish. Alone, penniless, weak, in a trickster's house, he managed to survive. Not only that, but he came back with wives, children, and property. And that is the beginning of an independent 
and strong nation. Thank you very much and may you have only blessings.